So again, just a good morning to all of you. It's a privilege to be able to uh, come up here and speak. Thank you, elders. Thank you for inviting us in uh, to do so. And uh, today what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk uh, to you through a short uh, study of one of Jesus' most famous statements. It's an I am statement, and it's found in the book of John. And it's going to be out of John 15, so if you have your Bibles or your electronics, I tell people I haven't seen my Bible for three years. I ran into it about a couple months ago again. But it's true, I'm just so used to getting on this and researching and, you know, all the multitasking that goes on there. But there's nothing better than a print. I do have it, and it looks brand new still, but I do read it, so... uh, yeah, But this uh, I am statement describes who Jesus is and our relationship to him. So it's a great, great I am statement. There is I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that's a, for maybe another time. But right now, this I am statement has to do with the vine. So Jesus said in chapter uh, 15, this is what he said in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the vine and you are the branches. So I want you to think about that. If Jesus is the vine and we're the branches, or he's the tree and we're the branches, what does that mean? You know, we hear all these little things in in scriptures, and when we talk to one another, you know, what exactly does that mean? Well, in order to illustrate this better today, what I've done is I've borrowed three uh, branches from the tree that I thought was in Mark and Kara's lawn, yard, but it was actually in the neighbor's. But it was over the fence. So I don't think I'm a lawbreaker. Because Kara's like, we need to do things right. And Mark's like, come on, you know. So, yeah. So I thought, I looked, I said, oh, it's hanging over. Okay, I'm okay then. I'm all right. I didn't break any laws here in Colorado. But I brought these three branches with me just to kind of give you a picture of what this is about what Jesus means. Um, I am the vine or the tree, and then you are the branches. And... um, uh, this first one here, I just actually disconnected this morning. I went outside and I and I took a look at it, and as you can see, it looks really leafy and it's it's alive and it's nice and green, and um, yeah, it just came off the tree probably about an hour ago. If you went to the tree and you looked at it right now, it looks a lot more fresh than this, but this is pretty good. If you must say, you could look at it and uh, you'd kind of see uh, where this is. It's really alive and it's healthy, and then this one was just yesterday. And just look at the difference. Just one day off of the tree, off of that vine, just one day. This is today looking very sharp and good still. And then just one day later, it starts to wilt. As you can see, it's a second branch. And um, it's not doing as well, obviously, as the first branch. And uh, I just disconnected it yesterday. I, I was looking at some on the ground, but they were even worse than this. So I thought, well... I'll just take it off yesterday. Let's see what, what 24 hours does to this branch. As you can tell, it's, you know, it's there. It's kind of shriveling a little bit. It's kind of dying, and it's not doing so well. And then I was just walking around uh, the yard and that, and I seen this on the ground. And uh, this was a branch, and, and now if you looked at it, you would, I mean, it's pretty dead, right? It's, it's pretty gone. I don't know how long it's been. But um, it's, it, you wouldn't call it a branch. You'd actually probably just call it a stick, right? So it's a stick. So, so these are the three different uh, branches. One that was cut this morning, it looks pretty decent and good. And then the second one that's kind of shriveled and that, but it's only a day old, and I don't know how long this is, but eventually this is what ends up happening that way. So I'm just going to leave these 
these out here just so we can kind of look at those. And uh, we'll come back to these a little bit in my talk this morning. Now, when you're looking at these three branches that I've just shown you, there's one uh, difference between them. There's only one difference. Do you know what that difference is between all three of these? There's only one difference that, that actually is between all three of these. And uh, the longer the difference is, is that the longer these have been disconnected from the tree, okay, the more dead they become. That's the only difference between. They come from the same tree, they're there, but the longer they're disconnected from that tree, this is what eventually happens. That's the one difference between them. They're all from that same tree, and they all have the same mechanics on it, but one obviously has been disconnected for, for too long, and it's looking deader and deader and deader as it goes on. Now, if you were to pick one of these branches and, and pick it up and then take it and kind of dig a hole, right, and, and start putting it back into the ground right now and you watered it and you fertilized it, uh, would the branch come back to life and produce new leaves in that? So if I just stuck this in the ground after being dead as long, would it, it probably wouldn't, right? It would probably just stay dead and, and that's kind of how it would be after a period of time because it's been so long uh, that it's been actually disconnected. Well, Jesus said, look, he says, I am the vine or I am the tree. That's what he says in different translations. It says different things. Um, so we're using branches, we'll say tree, but the vine, same thing. I am the vine and you are the branches, he writes. And if you stay connected to me, he's saying, you're going to have life. So if you stay connected to Jesus, you're going to be nice and leafy. And if you don't stay connected to Jesus, you're going to start to wilt. And eventually, this is what possibly burnout could be. This is possibly what being weary could be. This is possibly somebody who said yes to Jesus but just hasn't stayed connected. Loves Jesus, understands Jesus, but doesn't stay connected to Jesus. And that's what happens after a period of time. So if you want to have life, you're going to stay connected. You're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. You're going to have the resurrection power because of Jesus. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is actually living in you and living in me. It depends, though, whether it shows on how connected we are with the vine. That's it. Just stay connected because the tree, the vine, is the one that brings all that, that leafy green uh, look to us. And if it was a fruit tree, and I've done it with a fruit tree with little fruits on it and stuff, that would, that's what people come and say, man, I, I want to have some of that. But if you're disconnected from me, he says, you'll eventually wither, become spiritually weak, in other words. Dry up, spiritually dead. So here's the question I'd like to ask all of you this morning. Now, just internalize this, but I really want you to take a self-evaluation of yourself because you're, you're the best one to do that, wouldn't you agree? You're the best one to do that for yourself. You need no one to point at you or talk to you. Really, you, you know where you're at. So which one of these branches does your spiritual life look like right now? Is it leafy and maybe it's been connected or maybe it's blossoming right now and it's awesome and it's great and it's cool or, or maybe it's a little wilted and, and not as leafy, not as vibrant, uh, maybe dying or, or maybe you actually look like that stick right now inside spiritually. What does your spiritual life look like right now? Let me just pray. Father, I just ask this morning as we come around this word and and we get excited about the connection to you and, 
and what it can bring in our lives, Father. I, I just pray, God, that You'd speak to us. You'd speak to me this morning about my own life, God, as I speak to others about the life that You've shown me and You've given me, God. So, Father, we thank You, Lord, because You're awesome and You're mighty. There's no condemnation in whatever You do with us, God. You just want to draw us closer to Your Father. In Jesus' name. And Cool, cool, all right. So, if you will, turn with me to uh, John 15, 1. If I haven't said that already, you can kind of go there. And let's take a look at this I am statement. But before I do, I want to just give you a little context to the passage, okay? So we can kind of get there and you can get a better grip on when I start reading. Uh, Jesus, this is so cool. Jesus has been with his disciples for three years, okay? Uh, he's been investing in them. He's been pouring into their lives, into them. He's just, been, he's just been hanging out with them. And they've been doing life together for three years. Therefore, after he teaches them, Jesus knows that this is his last night he's going to be with them. So when, when we're looking at John 15, this is the last time he's going to have all his buddies around him. So, so he, wants to, he wants to give them the best thing he possibly can. He wants to make sure that when he travels on and he goes to the cross and Peter goes through all the stuff that he goes through for denying him and the guys scatter, he wants to make sure that these guys can stay nice and green and leafy. He doesn't want them to turn into sticks. How sad would that be if he left and he said, I'm going, and he gives them no instructions, and he just takes off? That would be like having a buddy, and maybe some of you have had him for a period of time, and then one day you wake up and that buddy doesn't return your phone call, doesn't want to hang around with you, and you think, man, what were these last three, four years all about? And that's exactly what would take place, but Jesus, no, no, no. What he's doing, he's saying, no, guys, listen, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you the, the raw deal of who I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be unplugged with you right now. I'm going to tell you that this is the way. This is the way that you stay fresh and vibrant in life. Amen? So Jesus knows that He's leaving. He knows He's going to be crucified and He dies. So with much passion, with much passion and urgency that Jesus teaches, the way He teaches His disciples, who He is and how He stays connected to Him after He's gone, He does it with as much passion and urgency that He can muster up with them. And this is the part of the context of the teaching that I'd like to launch off with right now in John 15.1. So this is what he says. He tells the guys, look, I am the true, and I'm reading from the NLT, so I am the true grapevine. I'm the true uh, branch or tree, right? He says, and my father is the gardener. So he's, he's the branch, he's the tree, and he says, my father is the gardener. And he says, he, his father, he's referencing, cuts off every branch of mine, because those branches belong to that tree, right? branch of mine, he says, that doesn't produce fruit. He cuts it off, he says. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they can, so that they will produce even more fruit. And in verse 3, he goes on to say, you have already been pruned and purified by my message I've given you. So then he says, remain in me, listen to this, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's not, if it's severed from the vine. If it's cut off from the vine, it's not going to produce anything. This is what he's telling them. He's, he's being honest with them, integrous, giving them the scoop of what's going to happen because he's leaving. He says, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then in verse 5, he says, yes, he says, I am the vine. He says, yes, again, look, I, don't make any mistakes. I'm the life giver here. He says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. And those who remain in me, and I in them, he says, will, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, 
There's a couple things with this fruit thing, and I, I can't go into detail, but I'm just going to just bring it to you very right up front. Is that the fruit that he's talking about is honestly reproducing themselves in a sense, bringing other people to the kingdom. God is the one that brings the call out. People come in, we make disciples. Okay? So he wants us to be fruitful in bringing others into the kingdom. But then there's another fruit too that has to do with character, and those are the fruits of the Spirit that we do that we uh, have read about and the kindness and peace and joy and all those good things too as well. So, in verse 6 he continues. He says, Anyone who does not remain in me, he says, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Is thrown away. If you don't remain in me, you're going to be just cut off and you're going to be thrown away. That's what he's saying. So it goes, I'm leaving, guys. I'm leaving. But if you don't follow me, you can expect to be that stick, is what he's telling them. Amen? So, but, but listen to this in verse 7. He says this. He says, But, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything. He says, anything you want, and it will be granted. That's what he's saying. Because he knows that if you stay in him, that whatever you ask is going to come from him, and he's going to be willing to give it to you and give it to me. And then in verse 8, he goes on to say this. He says, when you produce much fruit, he says, you are my true disciples. Well, what's the other part of that? If you don't produce much fruit, are you His disciples? Are you His true disciples? In a sense. Now, it's not a level of being saved. I'm not talking about that. Salvation comes in. You're a son and daughter of God. I said yesterday and out through the weekend, don't let anyone ever tell you that you're not. That's your relationship with God. It's either real or it's fake. But that's God. He determines that. No one determines that. But He's just saying, if you want to be my disciples... In other words, if you want to be followers of me, if you want to be true disciples, you need to remain in me and let my Father do some gardening and some pruning around you when He desires to do so. This is what He's saying. Now friends, true love came at a high price, didn't it? In John 3.16, the Bible states this, that for God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that anyone who believed in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. It came at a high price. A high price is true love that he's talking about remaining in him came at the ultimate price of giving his own life for the ransom of many. This is why Jesus is saying to them, and with the illustration of the branches, he reminds us today this truth this morning, that if we too do not remain in the way that he's talking about, as the way he dis full disclosure to his disciples, this is what could happen to us. This is hours, hours off the tree. Hours. This is 24 hours, and I don't know how long this is. It's pretty scary when you take a look at an illustration like that and say, my goodness, could I spiritually start withering that quickly? Now, <clears throat> I thought about this, and I thought, well, geez, you know, some people have different stamina, you know? When you're working out, some guys work out to get big. Some guys are naturally big. You get what I'm saying? Our cardiovascular systems, even though they're all the same thing and they work the same way, some of them are built just a little bit better than others. So it may take you a little bit longer, but inevitably, that's what will end up happening when you stay disconnected. So let me say this. In every believer's life, in the past, right, in the present and in the future, there will be times when you find yourself spiritually struggling and spiritually dry. So 
So I wish the story for me was as I was always vibrant. And I never looked a little wilted or, you know, just, you know, just kind of laying there and, and hobbling or whatever. I, I wish that was the case. But for whatever reason, there's times that, that I stay away from the connection. In other words, I haven't disowned God and I haven't said I don't believe in you. I just haven't been connecting in that way. And I get a little withery. And then when you're a little withery and you start talking to other people, then they get even more withery because you're kind of giving them what you have and you don't really have a lot because you haven't stayed connected. Isn't that true? Past, present, and future. So right now you may be right in here. Maybe any one of these groups. But you're probably in one of them. But the point is, is that if you stay connected, you can blossom. And you can blossom because to have the power of God in your life and my life is the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's available to you and to me right at this moment, right at this time. Amen? But listen, there are steps that uh, we can take to consistently maintain our connection to Christ. So there's things that we can do to make sure that we stay connected in the way that we should. So no matter what spiritual group uh, you find yourself in today, Christ can reinforce, refire, and re-envision your life. Honestly, He can. And this is how. Because Jesus is our source. He is the way and the truth and the life. Amen? So I want to give you just three ways uh, to live with Jesus as the vine. Okay, just three ways to live as Jesus is the vine. I want to make it as practical as I can for you because it is practical. And it is something that he was telling his disciples that they, they needed to do to stay connected. And the guys that did, wow, were they powerhouses, weren't they? They were absolute powerhouses. So the first one, number one, is this. I start my connection to Jesus by believing in Him. Now how simple is that? That's basic, isn't he? I start... By I start my connection to Jesus by believing in Him. Now, the definition of belief for us this morning is this. is the ongoing choice to follow Jesus. How many of you know it's a choice to follow Jesus? Today you follow Jesus in the morning to get up and pray you follow Jesus or you choose not to get up in enough time to pray to follow Jesus, to connect with Him. And you may say, well, Joe, that's a little bit harsh. I'm just simply saying that after two hours, this is what you look like instead of the tree. And if you go in Mark's backyard, actually it's the neighbors, but it's in yeah, but it's in the it's in the yard. You know, you would see that. No, yeah, I can see the difference. I can see the difference. So listen, one of the primary reasons Mark and Cara started Impact Rock six years ago was for all of you. That was one of the primary reasons because they wanted to see Jesus get. People get connected to Jesus in the community. Now, that doesn't mean that the local churches here weren't connecting people to Jesus. All they were saying is that, no, I believe that God has sent us to gather people to make a connection to Jesus. Buildings are cool. Lights are cool. I love your lights. I love your choo-choo train lights. They're pretty amazing. We get them. We have them back at workplace. And I'm like, guys, please, I can't see anybody. They tell me, Joe, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how the big, big guys do it. I said, okay, yeah. All right, all right. But this is cool. I can see you actually. It's, I'm gonna tell my yeah. I'm gonna tell my guys they need to take a picture of this, take it home to them. But um, six years ago, right? So, but you see, there's thousands and thousands of people in this city and the surrounding areas who don't know God, and therefore they have no connection to Jesus. 
So in order, if we're going to connect people to Jesus, wouldn't you agree that we need to be connected to Jesus? And it just needs to be more than just, yes, I know who Jesus is. Because quite honestly, the devil knows who Jesus is. And that hasn't been doing him any good, has it? Or the buddies that are following him, which are the fallen angel, they're called demons. People want to call them ghosts and all these other things. Let me tell you, you're talking to a dead person, whether it's your grandmother or anything else, I want to tell you, they're lying spirits, right? And you're not talking to them. You're talking to something else. You talk to Christ, that's a whole different story. And I want to just give you this. This is just my thought, right? But my sister was passing. She passed a couple years ago. And um, I, I leaned into her and I told her, Hey, look. I said, when you go to meet the Lord, I said, say hi to mom for me. Because my mom's with the Lord. And I really believe when people are going across like that, they're bringing a great message of what's happening here. That's for free. Okay? That's just what I say. But I want you to understand this one simple thing. Okay? That, that you, can, you can make that connection with Jesus today. Right now you can. Friends, I want to say this to you. I'd like to stress this point to you. There are no hoops you have to jump over. There are no spiritual classes you have to go to. You don't have to do all these things and I need to hear it for a while. No. You can make that connection to Jesus right now wherever you are in this or maybe you've never said yes to God. Maybe you've been walking as a Christian. You've come to church but you can't say that you're connected this way. Maybe you've never heard the message in the way that the Holy Spirit is having you hear it right now. I want to say this to you. It does not matter. Whether you have or you haven't, if you had, great. If you haven't, then hear it today and make a response, not to Impact Rock, not to the lead couple, to Jesus. You make a connection with Jesus and then you're good for the rest of your life and you just stay, all you got to do is just stay connected. That's it. That's it. Everything else you do is out of the love of God. Everything else you do is out of the service of the King. But you are connected. Why? Because you're staying connected to Jesus. Amen? So in John 14, 6, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then He says, no one can come to the Father except through Me. There's no way of doing that. There's no way of, well, you know what, Mom, can you pray for Me? Or Dad, can you pray for Me? Or, you know, let the little children pray because Jesus will hear them. I'll go to my grandmother. No, 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 no. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father except through me, through Jesus. This is why he's telling the disciples, hey, look, I'm leaving, and if you want to stay connected to me, then you will stay connected to the Father. If you don't stay connected to me, all that I told you, he's basically telling them, is going to wither and it's going to die. In John 15, 16, the Bible states this, you didn't choose me, I love this, he says, I chose you. God chose me. I'm absolutely amazed that God chose me because of the things that I've done. I wouldn't have chosen me. I wouldn't have left this message to me. But He chose me. And He said, Joe, as long as you stay connected in there, I'll make sure my message gets through you despite of you. That's what He's saying. And isn't that so cool? That all the pressure for people to give their lives to Christ is not on me, it's not on the lead couple, it's not on the leadership, it's on Jesus. Because He's the one that brings people to His Father. We make disciples. Disciples mean is that we make them. You know when you're in school and you say, I'll make you, I'll make you right now. And you're basically saying, if you don't do it, I'm going to force you to do that. We make disciples. We get people in headlocks back home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
But you understand what I'm saying. We get in there and we say, no, no, no. This is what we need to do in order to bring you forward. Please listen. Stay connected to the vine. Let's move forward in this. So friends, God chose you. He's pursuing you. And He wants you to be connected to Him. So listen to this. Even if you've never done this before, you can simply pray this prayer right now in your heart. Right now, you can do that in your heart where you're seated right now by just saying this, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. If you'll say that right now, I believe who you are, and I believe because you said that you are Him, I'll believe that. Right? And then you just tell Him, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, I want to follow you. It's personal and it's special. Personal and it's special. If you've said that right now in your heart, in your mind, if you said it right now, then right now I want to tell you you're connected to the vine. You've just went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's that simple. And Joe, come on, you're kidding me. Yeah, it's that simple. Why? Because of that high price that he, that he paid on the cross. I gave my only son. His only son that he ever had, I gave him to a bunch of people that didn't want him, didn't want to follow him, and didn't care about him. He did it anyway. Amen? Amen. So number two is I strengthen my connection to Jesus by obeying Him. So, right? The first one says I start my connection to Jesus by believing in Him. And my second point is I strengthen my connection to Jesus by obeying Him. Now, friends, this is the key is, is staying connected in obedience, right? So write this down. Write this down if you can, if you have a place to write it. But obedience equals connection. When you're obedient, you stay connected. That's the key. Obedient who? To this leadership? Well, yeah, follow them as they follow Christ. But I'm talking about being obedient to Jesus. I'm talking about doing the things that Jesus has asked you to do and saying yes to. There's many of us in here, including myself at times, that God wants me to do something and I haven't said yes. I've kind of messed around with the idea. I kind of thought about the idea. Like He wanted me to get connected inside the high school with a key club. A bunch of teenagers. Okay? And I'm already busy. And I'm doing my walk-up Euclid and I'm walking up and down and, and I'm talking. This guy runs out. The silverhead guy. He's probably 65 or so. And he says, Joe, Joe, I need to talk to you. And I said, what, man? He said, I need to talk to you. He's part of this Kiwanis Club I'm part of. And he says, Joe, he says, we really believe that you need to work with the youth in the high school. And God had been telling me this. And I told, went back to Susan and I, I said, Sue, I said, this is what God's been saying to me. She goes, are you serious? You're going to work with the youth now. You know, how much of you can go around? I said, Sue, I can't shake it. I get up in the morning. I go to bed at night. This is on my heart. It's on my mind. I, I just need to say yes. I've been fighting it. How long have you been fighting it? She says, for, I said, for a year. I've been fighting it for a year. Not that I don't like kids, because I do. Okay? Not that I don't love teens, because honestly, I, I love being around them. It's, it's just amazing for me. It keeps me young in a sense. I laugh at them. I really do. It's funny. It's funny. I have a, a little cutesy 16-year-old, so she keeps me on my toes too as well. But it's very funny. But my point simply is this. Is that the further I said no, the less connected I stay to Jesus. The more I say yes, 
the more connected I stay to Jesus. It's out of obedience. Amen? Now, if that was the only yes answer I ever had in life, I did it. But the problem is there's other stuff that comes up that God's asking me. And honestly, that God's asking you right now and has been asking you maybe for a year or two. Who knows? So let me share um, some of these powerful things with you. And as a father, uh, when you ask your kids to do something, right, whether they're little or they're in the teenagers, whatever they are, they have choice. Whether you like it or not, they have a choice. You ever thought if you had six or eight of them at home, if they actually teamed up against you, oh, my God. You know? When they start consorting together, oh, my goodness, right? It's a powerful thing, unity. But when you have them at home and you're asking them to do something and they have a choice, and they have a choice either to obey or disobey, what will end up happening is the more your kids say yes, the more connected they are with you. Now, it doesn't mean that when they say no, they're not connected. And it doesn't mean that when they say no, you stop loving them, right? It's not like that. But there's this tension that starts building in the household, isn't there? I can look at my 16-year-old and talk to her about a few things, and uh, she can look at me and say, Okay, Dad. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, There's no way. There's no way. This is too easy. You're just trying to push me off now. So in her heart, if she's saying no, she's actually disconnecting from me because she's saying no. So invariably, after a while, when you say no, it puts a strain on your relationships when there's more no's than there are yeses. I mean, it'd be perfect if there were all yeses. But Jesus is asking us, honestly, this morning, to say yes to the things that He's placed inside of your hearts. The things that He's spoken to you over the years. Some of you have had prophetic words over and over again in here. As I prayed, this is what I felt. Over and over, and you said, man, I got that word again, and I got that word again. The reason you're getting that word is because you haven't acted on it yet. When is God going to give me something new? When are you going to say yes to God in that, that area of your life? Give it up. Give it up. At the end of the day, you're going to give it up anyways. It's like me and Susan, when we fight, you know, we got to give it up. There's no divorce in our lives. I mean, we're wasting time. Let's sort this thing out. Come on, Sue, you need to make sure that I'm right all the time, right? But we just need to get on with life. And we need to get on with the Lord. He's going to have His way anyways. At the end of the day, you really know that what God has said to you is the right thing to do. You just got to say yes. So everyone say yes. Wasn't that easy? Huh? And everyone say yes, Jesus. That's so easy, isn't it? Makes you feel good. You're smiling inside. I can see that already. So you love your kids. They're saying no. It doesn't diminish, but it puts strain on the relationship. So turn with me to John 15.10. I want you to read this with me out of the text. It's absolutely amazing. And when I seen it like this, I was just blown away. Jesus teaches that our obedience strengthens our connection to Him. Let's read it right here. He says, When you obey My commandments, you remain in My love, just as I obey My Father's commandment and remain in His love. So when you obey My commandments, you remain in My love. You stay connected to the vine. So when you don't be, obey His commandments, what happens? You, you step aside out of His love. Right? Then He goes on a little bit further in John fifteen fourteen, and He restates this and He draws us in closer to this question 
of what I'm speaking about obedience and staying connected. And this is what he says in John 15, 14. Jesus continues to draw us closer to the reality of obedience and friendship. So Jesus states this. He says, you are my friends if... Uh-oh, you kidding me? He put, he put something there? He's saying, yeah. He's telling his buddies, because remember, he's going to the cross. He's saying, all you guys are my buddies. You're my friends. If, he says, if you do what I command. Wow. That's a big if. He's saying, hey, look, you're my friends. Just do what I command. But he's saying, if you don't, then you're really not my friends. Because you're not willing to be obedient to the things I've asked you to do. Because each of them had a function, didn't they? He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. He enforces that by saying, now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So what he's doing, he's giving full disclosure. He's saying, hey, when I'm gone, you need to stay connected. You need to follow my commands. You need to be obedient to that so that we can be friends. So why? So I can tell you all the things my Father wants me to do and you to do. So some of us aren't hearing the voice of God clearly because we're not being His friend, because we're not being obedient to the text, to what He said. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just started this next week just to be obedient to what God has said to you and watch what is revealed to you from Jesus from the Father's heart. He, man, I want to pour the Father's heart into you, into me, Joe, into, into this area, into you both. I want to do that. But in order for me to do that, you need to be my friends. Because I don't want you to be a slave. A slave tells you, do this, do that. Don't answer, ask any questions. A friend comes in and says, hey, this is why we want to do this. There's a reason why you guys occupied this space. Some of you may have poured your heart, mind, and soul into this right now, either through finances or working on that, or working with your hands. But some of you may have not gotten the game yet. I want to tell you, there's plenty more to do. You possibly stood back because now this is your hour to get in and do something else with it. I was just hearing how people were coming in to put this together, and then towards the end, there was a couple fresh people that actually came in and started pouring more energy into it. Man, you need those type of things. Maybe you wanted to do something. Maybe you were busy doing something else and it was legitimate. But there's seasons for everything. If God's saying yes to this or to ministry or to go talk to your neighbor or bring your family in, they need to hear what Jesus is doing here. Because when they come here, they're going to get Jesus. Don't invite them to church. Invite them to come meet Jesus. And have them be connected to the vine. Cut a few branches and ask them, which one of these are you? It's radical, huh? I'm going to do that with my 16-year-old when I get back home. We'll put these branches in the room. I'll let you know what happens. But friends, let's go back to the branches here. Okay? In John 15, 6, this is what Jesus stated. He said, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches, he says, are gathered into a pile and they're burned. We know what the illustrations of those are. Anytime there's fire and things are getting burned, it's not good. Okay? So, 
church. If here is the branches that we just cut off, right, yesterday, and the, the far one here looks alive. Let me just, you know, I'm going to grab these because I think it's important. This one looks really, really alive. I'm going to try to look down here in my notes to kind of keep on track here. Um, this one looks alive, right? It, it's vibrant. It, it, it looks good. It's, it's healthy, right? And then, and then this one's been cut off, right? Even more so a while. And then, of course, this one's really dead over here, right? So you can see all these three. Well, this is the trick of Satan. I want you to hear this. Satan's playing a huge trick on the church today. And I do mean not this church. I mean the church universal. And he says, sure, you can disobey God. Just like in the garden. He has nothing new. Did God really say that to you, Adam? Come on, boy. Eve, come on, really. Did Adam really... Did God say that to you, really? Right? Sure, you can disobey God. I mean, what's going to happen anyways? You're still going to be blessed. Everything's fine. But what happens is after this branch has been cut off, immediately, within a day or two or a couple days, it begins to wither and it looks like this. So right now, you may be disconnected to the tree and you know you are and you're kind of withering but no one can see it. But it's a trick, brothers and sisters. It's a trick. He wants to make you believe that you're okay. You may be leading this local church. You may be one of the elders. You may be saying, oh, geez, I'm still good. No, no, no. Take a look. If you're not connecting to Jesus every day, it's a lie. And I don't know what it is, but some of these branches that I've cut off, some of them stay green for a week. You don't see really any difference from the tree that I've looked at. But other ones, within a couple hours, I mean, this thing's a couple hours. Honestly. It's dying. You see, we all have different staminas, don't we? Maybe some of us have been digging and mining in the Word of God a little more than others. Maybe other ones really haven't done any of the connection part. We said yes, but we really haven't stood connected. So I don't know how long it's going to take for you to wither. I don't even know how long it will take me for wither, but I'm telling you, it frightens me. What frightens me is to come up here today and talk to you and actually be withering. Oh, my God. And you know when I'll find out? When I'm standing here in front of you. I'll understand my goodness. And I understand this, being having the privilege of going to speaking to churches all over, that if I don't spiritually prepare myself, and I do mean that, by the time I get here, within a day of one time of speaking, I start withering if I don't stay connected. And it's scary. When I got here this time, it was different than the last time that I went. I went back and I told my wife, whatever I did wasn't enough for where I went. I felt like I was always trying to catch up. I didn't feel like that this time. Maybe it's because I've been studying this thing for the last few months. And maybe I got it. Maybe today it's your day to get it. I don't know what it is. But the cool thing about Jesus is that you don't have to stay like that. In the Scriptures in Romans, He talks about engrafting the body back in together and grafting the Jews. They've been cut off. He's cut them off. He said so. But there's an engrafting part and only He can bring life to stuff. You can stick that in as much as you want in the ground. It's not going to grow. But if Jesus comes in, it's life just like that. Just today can be life for you if you want it. 
So this is verse 7. This is the cool part. It's not over. He says, but if you remain in me, he says. So he goes through all the stuff and he's telling them, hey, this is what's going to happen. But he goes, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, he says, and you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. Point taken, say yes to God. Say yes to God today. If you've never said yes to God for your salvation, say it today because I want to tell you, if you haven't, you're this right now. You are this. And that's why you take three steps forward and two steps back because there's no life in what you're doing. And if you've been around a while and you haven't stayed connected, you know what I'm speaking about. You know, when you wake up in the morning and somebody comes to you or calls you or a relative you didn't expect, it usually happens like that when you're at work. And somebody comes and says, can you pray for me? You're thinking, oh my God, I haven't read for a while. Really, Lord, today? And then you pray, and then that person gets refreshed, and you walk away, and you go, I don't know how in the world that happened. I haven't opened, cracked open my Bible for a week, two weeks, a month. But it's the Spirit of God coming in and bringing life to you, and He's showing you, listen, I want to use you. You need to be ready. I gave you some grace. I cut you some slack. I stepped in. But I want you to stay connected. Because there's a lot more people, honestly, that I want to bring to you and to me. Amen? So what yes do you need to give to God? Right now, think about it. What yes is it? There's a corporate prayer time here. We have when We just started back up again. We didn't have it for about two, three years. I want to tell you. There was a lot of withering going on, I believe, in our congregation, even amongst the leaders. But we went back into corporate prayer and we started praying. And I know there's a corporate prayer here. And I don't know who goes or who doesn't go. That's the cool part. Me standing here, I don't know. But I can tell you this much. If you want to get connected and you're saying, God, this is me right now. Maybe I'm here. Maybe you're not this. Wherever you are, maybe you're starting. You can start the right step by coming to corporate prayer on Wednesdays for 45 minutes. I want to encourage you to do so. Do it for one month on Wednesdays and see what happens. One month. Just don't do it. We come one time. Oh, no, I don't know. No. Come back and do it just on Wednesdays. And then maybe during the week you start doing it a little bit more. But at least you know on Wednesdays, honestly, you'll get connected and you'll get refreshed. You'll walk out refreshed. I don't care what life has done to you during the week. What life has done to you that day. Prayer is an absolute staple for me. When we get back on Wednesday from the end of our trip, we're leaving here today, but when we get back on Wednesday at the end of our trip, we're going to prayer. If I told the elders there, I said, hey, I need the day for myself, they'd say, great, congregation would understand. But there's no way. And I'm going to tell you why. Because in our prayer time, God's moving, and I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss a prophetic word coming out. I get blessed in there. When the people come in and praying, the band's kind of playing some songs. Honestly, I'm like, if I'm not there and something happens, my God, I've got to hear the story. I want to be there to see it happen. Amen? So let me encourage you for that. Um, Forgiveness. God may say yes to you to forgive somebody. Uh, Leadership. God may be speaking to you about being a leader. You're like, I know I should lead and I've always gotten the word and geez, I need to be a pastor, whatever it is. Say yes. Does that mean the next day you're going to be that? Probably not. But it's a step in the right direction because now you're saying yes. You're, you're widening the gap of connection. Think about your kids. 
They keep telling you no and no and no. It strains the relationship. Well, I'll tell you, the strain isn't on God's side, it's on our side. Say yes to that. Bad relationship. Maybe you're in a bad relationship. Maybe you're dating right now. You know, maybe you're in a bad relationship. Maybe that's the case. Maybe God's saying, hey, you need to cut loose from that relationship. Let the gardener come in and do some pruning. Oh, it hurts. Of course it hurts. Of course it hurts, but sometimes it's necessary. But what's God saying to you? Joe's not saying anything. What's God saying to you right now? Marriage, maybe it's marriage counseling. Maybe some of you need a tune-up. Oh, Joe, what people are going to think? No, people are going to think. Me and, my, me and Sue, we get tune-ups in our marriage. We need that. We, just to talk, to hang out, whatever, with another couple, however that is. It doesn't have to be crisis to bring you in to talk to an elder couple. It doesn't have to be crisis. Hey, this is some things. We're wrestling. What do you guys think? It's perspective. You make your own decisions. You're the leader of your household. But perspective to come in. I lost that perspective for a while when my good friend that brought me through the Lord, he's kind of like was my spiritual father, honestly. But we'd go to him all the time. All the time. And every time I'd go, he'd say, it's your fault, boy. It's your fault, boy. So it was my fault. And that's okay. I'm good with that. It could be it could be water baptism. I don't know if you've been water baptized. Now let me tell you something. If you were baptized like a little a little girl or a little boy, I was baptized when I was three. I have a really cute picture when I was a three year old being baptized. In the Catholic Church. That's where I came out of. It's a great picture. We haven't found it yet. I think Susan's hiding it and doesn't want to show it. But the congregation says, yeah, right. Sure, you're, you're a cute little kid. But I got baptized as a child, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. If you got baptized with a as a child, it's cool. Don't take that away from your parents just because maybe you gave your life to Christ or maybe they're in Catholicism or whatever. Don't believe. Whatever they did, it's cool. But I'm talking about adult baptism. I believe that when you get old enough, you need to go in the water because you need to go in the water. We just did this a week ago. Fourteen people went in the water right outside our venue with one of the pools that you blow up. Fully dressed, everything, jumped in the water because we gave a, a, a message for baptism. Right then and there, jumped in the water. And this is what I said to them, and I want you to hear this. If you got water baptized because you did it for somebody else, then you need to go in again. At three years old, I didn't even have a choice. I think they sprinkled me. I'm talking about immersion, Jesus style. I want to do things Jesus style. I don't want to do things other style, Jesus style. Now, we did a pool because there's no rivers but the alley river, and you don't want to jump in that. <laughs> but you guys got a lot of beautiful places. But you can even do it out here, whatever. But my point simply is, have you been adult baptized, honestly? So we had people that were in their senior years going inside. We had one of our deacons that had been deaconing with us for three years, and she says, Joe, I need to get baptized. I go, I thought you were. She says, yeah, when I was 12. But the problem is, is I think I did it for God and for my parents. What do you think? I said, man, if there's any question mark, you need to get in the water. And she went in. I talked to my little cutesy 16-year-old. She told me that when she was 12 years old, she said, Dad, when I did it, I did it for you and for God, but for you, because I wanted... I wanted you to be proud of me. And I said, that's so cool. You're a really good girl, I said. The problem is there are no good girls in heaven. There's only saved people in heaven. 
So it's not good enough to be good. So if you went in for me and God, you need to go in just for God. We had the baptism. She didn't go in yet. But I'm telling you, I said, Nadine, if you don't, if you want to come the next time we do this, and you don't want your makeup to run, girls, you understand that, right? Then don't wear any. She goes, oh, my God, I'm not going to do that. You're going to have to go in. She goes, I know. I said, because you've got to do it for you. So this time, this is the day before. If tomorrow you're doing it and you're thinking, maybe I'm doing it because Dad's saying, then don't do it. Go in for yourself. Make a statement for yourself. Maybe God's telling you it's time for you to get water baptized the next time you guys do baptisms. It may be tithing. Oh yeah, money. My goodness. Bible talks more about money than anything else. But I'm telling you, this is what tithing is. I want you to hear this clear. God said, Joe, this is why it's tithing and this is why you need to talk about it. Because honestly, I don't like talking about it. If I could finance the church myself through my business, I'd do it. And gladly. But God said this to me. Tithing has to do with trust. You need to teach your leaders to trust me so that when they teach others, they will learn how to trust me too as well. This is what the tithe is all about. It's about trusting God. And right now, if you're not tithing, you need to start trusting God in that way, honestly. Trust God. It's the hardest thing to do. Let me tell you, you can solve world hunger with your tithe. I get it. I tithe every week. And I just think about all the money at the end of the year. The tax man comes in. I put it down. I'm, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we could have done a lot with that money. But I want to say this to you. It's trusting God. It's staying connected. Wherever your money is, that's where your heart is. That's what the Bible says. Jesus tells his disciples. They're on a whole landscape. And he's looking down at people giving, which is really foreign because, like, we're not supposed to see what's happening and stuff. But he's looking, and he stops. He goes, stop, look, 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 look. Look at that woman. They go, what? Look how much she gave. Bought a couple pennies to our standard today. They said, what's so big about that? Look at all these other gifts. He goes, no, no. She gave everything she had. Now, I want to say this. God's not telling you to give everything you have. He told that woman to do it. She did it. But if God is doing it, then you do it. But if he's not, the tithe is what it is. And I want to exhort you honestly with no condemnation on anybody who's not. But I want to just tell you this. Trust God in that way. Trust God. Do it for 90 days. Do it for 90 days, three months in a row. And if it doesn't bring you more satisfaction, and if you don't get the better deals at the, at the store when you go looking for the things that you want to buy, then don't tithe again. That's my comment out to all of you. Try it for 90 days and see what happens. My last one, and I'm through. Number three. I show my connection to Jesus by loving others. I show my connection to Jesus by loving others. In John 15, 12, it states this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. He writes, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. I show my connection to Jesus by loving others. In Galatians 5, 22, it writes this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He writes, there is no law against these things. When you stay connected to Jesus, these fruits pop up because it's one spirit and it's coming from one tree and you're one of the branches. When you start operating and these things aren't operating with you, it's because you need connection with Jesus. It's really simple. I want to tell you, if I'm not connected to Jesus, 
I'm not a happy camper. I get tired like everybody else. I get agitated like everybody else. And I get weary like everybody else. But when I'm connected to Jesus, Jesus always finds love to give me so that I can give to others. And I want to encourage you to stay connected so that these fruit of the Spirit can work through you. I want to say this to you. Jesus is more interested in your connection with Him than your comfort. He's more interested in seeing your character blossom and and flourish than for you to be comfortable. And because He's committed to you as a body of believers, He will let things pass through His hands into your life so that you can come back to Him. Because He knows that in crisis, you're going to get connected back to the vine. So I've always wondered at times of struggle in my life if I'm the one that actually have caused it. If I would just stay connected, I think, would I be going through this, this trial in my life right now that I wish I wasn't? The interesting thing is, is that He doesn't bring peril into our lives, but our decisions do. And then He uses our decisions to bring life back into our lives. So in John 15, 2, it says this, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So let me say this to you. Let God do the pruning. I want to say this also. Don't prune other people. Don't Wives, don't prune your husbands. Husbands, don't prune your wives. Don't even prune your kids. Encourage them. Sit down with them. Talk to them. And if need be, discipline them. But pruning? Let God do the pruning. Because if we do the pruning, we're going to mess it up. And I'm telling you, I've messed it up a bunch of times with my two. My 32-year-old and my 16-year-old. Sometimes I just need to stay quiet and just pray. And God does prune. God does prune. And the interesting thing about it is that when God prunes, the person will come back to you and say, God's been doing this stuff in my life, hasn't he? And my 16-year-old says that. God's been doing this in my life, Dad, hasn't he, Dad? And she looks at me, hasn't he? What have you been doing? I said, nothing. I've been praying for you. But he's doing the pruning. And if he is, let him prune you. Don't dodge out of the blade. I know it hurts. The potter's will. Sometimes he puts that little groove, that little nail in you, and you're like... You know, let him let him put the little edge in you. Let him do the finishing touches in you. He wants you to stay connected to the vine. So I want to leave you with this last statement. I would like to challenge you as a whole church, honestly. This is a challenge for you. I'm going to call this the Jesus Connection Challenge. My challenge is this, is that all of you would read the book of Mark over the next 30 days. Just business days. From Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, pick up your feet, do whatever you need to do. But Monday through Friday, just read one chapter. Now, some of you can say, oh, Joe, I can read that in a day. That's not the point. The point is, is to stay connected with Jesus every day for five days a week and take a couple days off. And then on Monday, start it over again. Do it in the morning, in the evening, whatever it is. I'm challenging you to see what this will look like, honestly, in you over a month's time. If you do this, I guarantee you that you won't be withering. You'll be blossoming. Your marriage will get tighter. Your family will look better. And during the process of that, there could be some pruning going on. So if something happens, it's God pruning. He's saying, oh, 
There you are. Come on over here to my shop. But you just keep reading. And if you want to pray, then pray. The challenge isn't for prayer, but hey, I'll just throw that in as an added extra. Okay? It'll take you five or ten minutes, honestly. It's a simple thing, but I'm telling you, you do that for a month, probably a good chance you probably want to do something else after. But the book of Mark is excellent, I'll tell you why, because it summarizes the, all of the four Gospels in that one Gospel. It's a summary. It's like a Reader's Digest. You want to know what the New Testament's about? The book of Mark is where to go. You'll get a good feel of what's going on in Jesus and the guys and the miracles and the troubles and tribulations. And you'll walk away thinking, okay, yeah, i got a handle of what this thing is. But more importantly like that is that you'll be connected to the vine. Amen?